Most people hold the belief that working a 9-to-5 job until they retire is the only substantial way to live in order to be comfortable or productive in our world. Your host, Julian Giselle, will dive deep into these alternative avant-garde lifestyles and way to shed light on how it can be, not how society thinks it must be. On this podcast, we explore those who defy the societal expectation, from freelancers, entrepreneurs, nomads, artists, really anyone who chooses how they live. Hey, Julia, how's it going? I see you have some like sparkly eyeshadow on. Are you going somewhere? Uh, I'm going nowhere. I just am very obsessed with this new eyeshadow. It's kind of like a liquid full on like big chunks of glitter you know it's very disco vibes and my <laughs> friend Lily actually she she was wearing it one night when we went to Disco Mary actually and she let me know it was like from this vegan LA dis- makeup designer I don't know but I'm obsessed that's, with it and that's good. now I just put it on sometimes because I want a little sparkle in my life yeah, sometimes you need a little sparkle. I'm glad that it's vegan because you did send me a picture of you sleeping with the, the eyeshadow on. So I'm glad it won't like, you know, ruin your eyes forever or something. Yeah, there's no like cow gelatin in this baby. It's all plants. I don't even know what cow gelatin is. Is that like from... I completely just made that up. Oh, but- I was like, <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> I should yeah. read the back of eyeshadow more. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some non... I mean, I guess makeup should be vegan, right? In general. Maybe most probably should be vegan. (laughs) Anyways, how are you doing? This is our second podcast in a day, so we're a little little sleepy. I just woke up from like a two-hour nap. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I'm an old person. Like my, my boyfriend and I went out, uh, got two drinks, and then when we went to this cool um, Caribbean Latin Afro Latin restaurant and had a drink there, and now I feel like not the best today. I think it's also because I'm stressed out about things I need to do. But um, yeah, like we were home by like nine. 30 and I'm like oh my god I was so tired (laughs) that's still very peaceful though I think it will like as you get older you learn that you don't need to like go out until the wee hours of the night to have a good night and sometimes it's best to just recharge and reset at home that's what I'm going to be doing today I was supposed to go to a concert but I've been binging the concerts lately Every time I go on Instagram, it's Julia and our friend Renee at a concert. And I'm just like, I think I go to probably like one concert a year and you guys are doing multiple concerts a week, it feels like. Yeah, I think I'm just like overcompensating for the lack of concerts in my life for the past two years. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we were going to go to Comet Ping Pong tonight. I don't know if you know that place in Friendship Heights area in D.C. But it's infamous because there was this huge conspiracy theory that there was some like child prostitution. Oh, that place. I'm like, why does yeah. it familiar? <laughs> I have them. Yeah. So it's like a pizza place, but then they also have a small venue and uh, there's no prostitu- child prostitution going on there, but it was during the whole, I think QAnon was behind it or something like this. Yeah huge conspiracy which obviously well lord and behold it's not true (laughs) well I almost feel like you need to go out because you have that eyeshadow on but maybe you know maybe I'll muster up the courage and energy at like 10 o'clock the concert starts at 10 p.m so that's that's too late for me (laughs) but anyways um yeah that's that was my day it's a good day. Yeah. I was just working and I didn't work out today. So that's probably why I feel a little crazy. Um, but I wanted to ask you your thoughts on something. I was listening to NPR, um, as I do, because I'm a sophisticated lady. Um, <laughs> and they had a woman on who uh, writes about work and she has a new book 
where she talks about how employers want employees to come back to the office, even though there's a lot of evidence or data that shows that people are actually more productive at home, which I thought was interesting. And she kind of just goes over why the reasoning why employers want people to come back and she makes a case that she thinks that work will basically our lives will not revolve around work anymore that'll be the opposite which it never has been um and it's something that's you know kind of like the why we have this podcast is because the American idea of work is to work nine to five and that everything should revolve around that. So I just thought it was super interesting. And I told you to listen to it and I wanted to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. It's been a minute since I've listened to NPR like podcasts. I used to listen to um, up first. I think that's an NPR podcast. Like, oh yeah. Like, super shortened. Yeah. It just is like a good little snippet of what's going on in the world. And um, there's also Planet Money that I listen to sometimes. It's pretty good. And there's another one. I can't think of it. It was more about like psych. Oh, Hidden Brain. But um, I thought this was awesome like because it just kind of exposed employers' real reasonings behind trying to get people back in the office, especially in higher leadership positions. Um, I think... So when people become, I thought it was very interesting that she basically called out like people in managerial positions that are basically paid stupid amounts of money in big corporations to essentially babysit their employees. And even if they're, you know, they're, the nine to five isn't a thing anymore, right? It's more of an eight to five, um, but, or on, or more than that, depending on what your field is. I know I would love to work eight to five every week but that's not the case it's usually a lot more than that but I just think it was interesting that she brought up the fact that these people are just kind of power hungry and maybe that's what got them to the top but it's losing that their their importance of being in that managerial overseeing position that is why they really want people to physically be in seats like physically be in the office and I just think it's funny because we all know or have had people like that that sort of hover like they're just little little birds <laughs> just like hovering over these people like are you doing your work <laughs> I don't know but um yeah yeah it was interesting. interesting interesting and I think yeah like you said and she said it's just they want to feel like they're doing something and they can't feel like they're doing something if they can't see you. Um, but we're also dealing with this like great resignation where people are leaving their jobs that don't offer flexibility because they're like, Hey, I don't really need you. And I'm not looking for my life to revolve around work anymore. And if you're not going to be flexible, then, you know, adios. <laughs> uh, but I think we're just going to have like a lot more of that. And it's crazy that the thing that shook up our culture, you know, American idea of work is sadly a pandemic, you know? Yeah. I shouldn't take a massive, a massive uh, virus to wipe out hundreds of thousands of people for us to realize that, you know, this isn't working and people, especially mothers, I know in the pandemic struggled the most because, you know, they're supposed to be the caretakers of the household in like a traditional sense but we have working mothers these days and they're badass in these badass positions and then they're forced to you know be at home with their children when they've made a life for themselves outside of just their home so I think that's that will also be an interesting dynamic as kids are permanently back in school and it just goes so deep I remember having a boss at one point uh and she I don't know. I don't know how working moms do it in these days, especially if they don't have that flexibility. But mm-hmm. if anything, this is how we learn how to achieve that flexibility. And it's really probably the old school companies that won't provide that. And people are just going to be like, you know what? This isn't for me then. I don't want to work for a company that doesn't value the fact that I have a life outside of work. Yeah. And if they don't evolve, they probably just won't exist. You know, like if you're 
going to go back to the status quo where you, you just want someone sitting there till, you know, 6 p.m. just because when they could, you know, go and pick their kids, spend time with them and also get their work done. It's like people will get their work done. That's not the problem, you know. Um, yeah. In, in the article, it was saying that people were working more hours because yeah. you have that flexibility. If your laptop's in front of you and you need to go cook dinner for your kids or whatever for an hour, you can always come back to that and still achieve a 40 hour plus work week. Yeah. That's fine. So, and I'll personally I get say I'm online later than I would have be in person like you know in person you're like gotta go gotta go take the metro like oh my god it's 5 30 you're rushing out the door but when I'm home I'm actually online longer which is interesting so we just wanted to yeah and I don't know how healthy that is either because but you can also break up your day in a way that's more conducive to like what's good for you um and not feel like you know also another thing you touched on is like office environments are so loud and depending on what you do for a living like that can be very distracting and there's also the dynamics of like clicks or this in offices and when you're at home you don't have that and there's I think there's benefits to being in the office for sure um and building uh you know connections and stuff like that is important but it doesn't need to be every day um I think for, for most professions. So. Yeah. And I also think that there is a privilege to being able to do your job fully remote, um, that people, some people were not able to even have the option for because their line of work, usually blue collar jobs do not provide that opportunity. Like some like service workers and like, there's plenty of professions where, you can't just work remotely. It requires you to physically be there. And, um, you know, those are the people that are more, more, more susceptible to getting COVID are still susceptible. You know, a lot of them didn't get hazard pay or anything like that. So that's, that's a whole other conversation that we we do need to talk about, but it is so true to be able to work remotely does is, is a privileged thing in this country. Um, but I think, the biggest takeaway for me is just that we got to change and uh, this has forced us to rethink how we live. And I think a lot of people aren't just going to go back or most people are, are just, are not going to go back to what it was. They're yeah, just to. like evolve. These companies need to evolve or they perish, you know, it's just the way of the world. Now that the pandemic, this is so cliche and we've heard it a bunch of times, but it, has opened your a lot of people's eyes to what they value and a lot of people ended up realizing they don't just value their job as their sole uh personality trait I guess is yeah some may expect absolutely see a lot of that in DC though (laughs) (laughs) well on that note so we uh we talked to Izzy who's a model uh based in New York City She's a trans Latinx artist and model. Um, and we just had a really, really great conversation with her about what it's like to be a model, what the what the industry is doing better, what the industry needs to work on. We also just talked about, um, what else would we talk about? We, we talked about like so much. Oh, self-confidence, self-care, um, being a minority, in the modeling world, also just dealing with criticism, really just life skills that anybody can take from, even if you're not a beautiful New York model in Brooklyn as she is. Yeah. And she also made her career transition. She didn't start off as a model, which I think is so important to say. Um, so I think so often we think like if you start off, just we think that you can't make those transitions or especially with something like modeling where you're, you have to be there's this notion that you have to be very young, um, but she made the transition in her mid twenties, which was really interesting to learn about. And before she was a model, she was actually an accessory designer. So this conversation is really fun. Um, and I think you all can take a lot from it. So stay, yeah. stay tuned. On that note, enjoy. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So we would like to welcome Izzy as our fifth guest. Um, six guests or fifth guests? Six. 
sticks. Um, yeah. And we uh, are so happy to have you today. How's your morning going? Saturday morning. It's good. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> so you are in, we're recording right now. Um, I'm in mm-hmm. D.C. Giselle's in New Orleans. And you are in New York, right? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what brought you to New York? I know, I guess maybe we can talk about how we met you. Um, mm-hmm. And then we can go into <laughs> why you were also in New York when we met. Um, so Giselle, do you want to take the story of how we all met? Sure, yeah. So we met in a party bus on our way to Connecticut, right? For um, yes. my, one of my boyfriend's best friends, Jackson, and one of your good friends, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we met like dancing in a party bus, which is a great way to meet Yeah, <laughs> super, super cute. I actually was like on the verge of like not going. So I was like, I don't know anybody. Like, but then I was like, no, like you should go and do this and like be social. So I did it. And I met some really cool people. So I'm happy that I did. Yeah, it was definitely a spontaneous decision for myself too, because I didn't know that Giselle and her boyfriend were even going to be in the city at the same time as me. I was just visiting for fun for the weekend. And then I remember you told me, you're like, oh, I'm going to be in New York City too. So I was like, all right, bet where? We just met in this park in Brooklyn and suddenly I was in Connecticut at a house party. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like thinking like full on rave. So I like came in like fist nets and like heels. And I was like in the middle of like, what park were we at? What park did we meet at? Like in broad daylight. Oh my God. (laughs) But it was cute. I didn't regret the outfit like once I got there. I think when I was at the park, I was like, oh God. (laughs) um, I I remember your outfit. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I remember even being like, on the bus with you and it kind of was like a little mini rave on the party bus but it was I remember being like oh my god you're so pretty like you should model and you were like I do and I was like oh you're like duh (laughs) well yeah yeah, let's get into that so when did you first get into modeling and when did you first move to New York City so I was when I first moved to New York I think I was like 17 and I actually came here for school and my parents didn't want me to come because they wanted me to be closer to home, which is like, I'm from Florida. I grew up in Florida. So it's kind of like a two hour plane flight and they were all nervous about it. And they didn't really have a lot of money to send me to school. So I saved some money for my part-time job and I just like got a bunch of school loans, which I'm still paying off. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I made it happen. And I finished school and then I was designing for a couple of years and I didn't like it. So um, I just started working in hospitality and I would do my thing and like post um, pictures of myself. And then one day I was, I was at my home gym and I think I was like... I like took a selfie or something of of myself in the mirror. And then this one of the agents like responded to my image and was like, Hey, we're working on this project that we think that you would be good for. And yeah, that's how it all started. And then I met with my agents, like, I think the week after. And uh, I was kind of like hesitant because I was doing graphic design at an, at a modeling agency while this was all happening. And um I was like no I like I don't think I'm good enough for this like I would see like like working models like coming in and out all day and I'm just like I don't know like this is not what I intended for my for my life and then um once I left that I I kind of was like in the process of like leaving that job while I was um being scouted so it was kind of just like one of those things that I just kind of jumped in and did it and I'm happy that I did because I really um enjoy that side of things more so than the like nine to five like office kind of like environment I'm not good with that I'm not good with like scheduling or like I just like always been like sort of an artist and I enjoy taking on a different character and becoming these different visions 
of what people see me as and I I just I'm having a really good time so that's so cool um I think it's inspiring that you know at first you didn't even have you know that confidence like I could be a model but you were around them all the time and I think um it's it's really cool to know that it only took one person to really give you that in and create this new lifestyle for you um how how was your first shoot like what happened how did that go down oh god let me try and remember did you practice Uh, beforehand like in the mirror (laughs) okay so I'm trying okay so my first shoot was actually a really long time ago and I was I think I was assisting a photographer and I sucked at it I was horrible Cause like when I was in school, I photographed like in a certain way. Cause like I went to school for communication design and uh, fashion design. So I was kind of like had my feet in like everything and like really scatterbrained. And um, yeah, so I was assisting this photographer and I was just trash. And then he saw that I was getting frustrated and he was like, Hey, we need another model. I think that you would be good for actually like being behind the camera. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I actually, stepped in and did it and it ended up in interview magazine and um yeah and then that's when I really was just like this is so cool like I I I love doing this and then I had a really close friend um named Griffin and he put me in the music video which I was scared to do because it's a little bit more involved it's kind of like you have to act while like still looking trying to look pretty or whatever um but I fell in love with it like that was, I, I think the music video was like my first like official, like, you know, like production sort of thing. I love that. Well, I wonder just like modeling, if like there's a, a lot of uncertainty, was your family ever like, okay, you're going to leave like a more steady job to do something where, you know, you're constantly auditioning and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that they were just kind of like, oh, it's another one of her like projects that she's switching over to because I, I switched jobs a lot. I couldn't find anything that I really enjoyed. And I just couldn't find my way for a while after school. And um, yeah, so I, they were just kind of like, they didn't think much of it. And then when I actually started booking jobs and stuff, they're like, oh, you know, like a little bit more interested in <laughs> what was going on in my life. Um, so it's kind of like one of those things where they like just put trust, like after knowing me for so long, they just learn to put trust in me and know that I'm like always trying to do something positive for myself. So they just are supportive of whatever it is that I do. Where did you gain this independence? I think it's hard for people to just put themselves out there. And it seems like Mm -hmm. your family always knew that you had this kind of independence since uh, independent spirit inside of you and I I wonder if that stemmed from like any sort of uh hardship growing up absolutely um so when I was really young my parents got um they divorced and my mom had a really uh hard time after my dad left and he went um to New Orleans actually to on this business venture that um really didn't (laughs) go the way that he expected so he was gone for a big part of our lives and my mom really didn't have a lot of money after the divorce um so we moved in with um my aunt and my grandmother and all of my cousins so we were we were staying with them for a few years and I remember just sleeping in the same bunk bed as all my cousins and my my mom so yeah I, I went through a really tough time and then I thought to myself while this was all happening that I didn't when I got older I, I wanted to make sure that that didn't happen to me and that I um I mean I love my mom she is awesome and she's like superwoman she definitely pulled herself out of that situation but um I, it was definitely very traumatic and so once we finally moved out of my cousin's house she got an apartment and she was working a lot. So I had to kind of like take control of the household things and I had to get a job and help her put food in, um, food in the refrigerator and all of this stuff. So I just kind of grew up really, really, really fast. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously you have a lot of resilience and you're in a very like cutthroat industry. I wonder just if you could just speak to that, um, just kind of just navigate all. Um, so I have always sort of, I, when I was in high school, I went to like performing arts high school. So I'm really used to being like critiqued. I was used to being critiqued from a really early age. And um, I learned how to accept the things that I needed to accept in order to grow at an early age. So when I finally got into the professional world, I kind of like took those tools and like use them there. Like, um, I know that if I get rejected for a job or for something that I really wanted, that it wasn't meant for me. And they are looking for, you know, a different look or whatever the case may be. And whatever is meant to be mine will be mine. So that's how I'll kind of like navigate that whole situation. I love that. Yeah. I personally like love what you just said because it's something that I've been kind of talking with my having conversations with myself about personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like whatever will, whatever I attract, like will be there for me at that not to say that there's not going to be bad things that will happen to me that's just the human existence here but I think it's great that you kind of accept that the work that I put in is going to also bring about what I deserve mm-hmm. it's very nice. yeah and it's um yeah yeah definitely like I you know, just try and do my best at the castings and try to get rest. And I try to drink water and eat healthy and all of the things that I need to do in order to, you know, be like a good model. <laughs> all of the things that come with, you know, keeping your body in line and your, your mental state in mind so that you can have the best energy when you're going for a casting, going for a potential job. And if I do that, then I know that I did everything I could. And, you know, it wasn't meant to be if I don't get Right. Well, I wonder just like since when you first entered the industry till now, I feel like there's been a lot of change. I think there's a lot of more like inclusivity. Um, I think as a you know society, we're just more reflective of um, just not being so fucked up in terms of yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, mm-hmm. I, I remember being a kid and, you know, a model looked a certain way, um, usually white blonde and like very skinny and, you know, very edited. But if you can just speak to that, if you've seen any positive change from when you first started. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of growth in terms of the industry. I still think that there's a, I did an, another podcast earlier um, on in the year and we talked about the same issue. I think that um, if we still have to have discussions about inclusivity and, um, you know, just like representation, I think that our, our job isn't done yet because we're still having the conversation. So I still think that we have a long way to go and um, I'm, I'm happy that we came so far because me, I, I, I'm like a trans model. So, it's, you know, for me, I, I it's a different experience for me than it was for, you know, like a normal, like six foot tall, like blonde model. So yeah, I've had a little bit more of like a obstacle course to go through, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's gotten a lot better since when, since when I started for sure. Yeah. I wonder if you, if you're comfortable, if you could just touch a little bit on that, just like when you first started having to navigate, like what were some things that people said to you? So yeah absolutely um my agents are just amazing because at the time when they scouted me I was kind of like in this middle phase of like my transition still very uncomfortable with in in my body and they saw something in me (laughs) sign me I don't know I don't know what the case was but um yeah so their sort of like faith in me kind of gave me courage to keep going forward because I was just like well maybe I can do this if they think that you know I'm going to work for certain projects then maybe I will um so I kind of like use like their confidence as a like form of strength for myself 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I've gone to castings and where the casting director will look at me and then say like out loud, we're looking for natural soft girls. And then, you know, like turn back to whatever it is that we're, if they were doing. So I'm like sitting there like, okay, this is a big waste of my time because, you know, like clearly she was trying to tell me something without telling me. Um, and it was, you know, like it's embarrassing sometimes when, when those kind of things happen, um, not only for me, but for the casting director. Um, but I, I will say that it doesn't happen very often. There are a lot of people in the industry that are very, very supportive. And um, their their main focus is in inclusivity and representation too. Um, I've had situations where I've been on set and I was uncomfortable in something and then the stylist was like, are you sure you wanna wear this? You don't have to wear it if you're uncomfortable in it. And um, you know, I would tell them if I was uncomfortable or not and they would change me out of it. So it's really 50-50 like everything else in life. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I wonder, if, is your experience any different if you like to travel to different places for shoots uh, or is it, are you mostly working in New York City? Um, I've been working in LA recently, Ooh. Um, quite often. And I will say um, the whole like inclusivity and like representation thing is a lot newer in LA <laughs> because I think that I've been doing this for like a, like three years now so I kind of um can feel when someone's sort of like new to something or they haven't met a certain type of person before and I feel like I get that feeling more in LA you know where it's just kind of like it's okay like I'm human don't worry like I'm fine like you know um but in New York it's I I don't know I just like walk in like um any other person I don't know yeah, I can only imagine that like your intuition and just has become higher because of like being able to sense like if somebody is trying to tiptoe around the fact that like without saying outwardly saying like, are you trans? Like, I think yeah. it's great that you. On that though, yeah. there has been a case where I went for a test shoot and I hate doing test shoots because I'm going to tell you why. One you go for the test shoot and you're, you're already, you already know you're not being paid. You don't know if the images are going to come out good and you don't know if they're going to be good enough to be put in your book. So it's a big, like, um, like guessing game the whole time, you know, and it's usually a lot of people who are still working on their portfolio, who are um, trying to build their portfolio. So they're not as, they don't have as sharp of an eye as somebody who's doing it professionally. And Anyways, the, the photographer on this uh, specific test shoot, the first thing he said to me when I got on, when I got to the studio, he walked out of the studio and <laughs> walked up to me and he was like, I just want to ask you if you're trans before we get started on everything. And I was like, uh, like, why? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, what does that have to do with my performance today? Yeah. It shouldn't have anything to do with that. And that kind of threw me off for the rest of the shoot. And I didn't even end up using those images because I was so, I had such a bad experience on set. And um, yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's like a comparison when people will ask me like, what are you almost in like a, like when they're asking about your ethnicity and it's just like, I know that I'm personally like, kind of ambiguous a lot of people say latina but also like other ethnicities and when i get that that question i'm always like why why does it matter like because sometimes they're genuinely curious other times it's you just feel that ick feeling about yeah yeah i think it's when it's asked like when you know they don't have any regard for your humanity (laughs) you kind of just like in the way that they say it so yeah. 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 It was just like, um, it seemed like it was a personal question for him. And I was just like, this is not a paid set. Like, if you want me to stay on set, let's, let's practice some respect here. Like, you know, and, um, 
those are just things that you don't say to people or don't, you just don't ask them. Like, especially if you're in a professional environment as a professional, that shouldn't matter, right? Because I feel like it has nothing to do with the outcome of the image. Like, what, what is the purpose of, of that question? Right. You know? no, no, you're so right. That was, just, that was just for him and his own Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because he obviously, I don't know. I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. But um, I, I mean, it's also the same thing with race, too. I get that question all the time. And people assume that I'm this or that. And um, I'm mixed. So I have a lot of things going on. So it's like kind of hard when that question comes up, too, so I can feel where you're coming from. Yeah, it's like, don't put me in a box. Just accept me as a human. (laughs) 100%. It's like, it's unreal. It's the questions that people ask sometimes. One thing I wanted to get your take on was just like aging, particularly being a model and aging. Um, I'm probably going to butcher her name, but Paulina Poroskova has like, Mm -hmm. her Instagram is just so great where she talks about her experience aging as a model and people just no longer seeing her. And I think she said once you turn like 45, she was just like, no one saw her as like a woman, a sexual being or anything that you should pay attention to. So I wonder if you've had any like concerns about just like thinking ahead. I mean, like where, what will my place be in this industry as I get older? Yeah. I, I honestly don't have an answer to that question. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it all out. Um, I'm 27, so that's pretty old for a model already. But to me, it's like, um, I think that the relationships that you make with the people on set and the relationship that you have with your own body and the way that you take care of it and the way that you care for yourself um, will speak volumes uh, to your career. And I think that will sort of navigate how long you can continue being like a like a model I think that more importantly more importantly in your age is making those relationships on set um making the relationships with your your makeup artist or your 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 hair person or the stylist so I've had situations where stylists would recommend me you know like to, like pitch me for a project that they think that I would be good for that I met at another at another job so it's really, it's really about that. No one really asked me what my age is ever, but I mean, if I get older and it becomes more visible, I, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to navigate that. Hopefully, hopefully by that time, like it's more acceptable to have older models, which I feel like we're starting to see a lot more of that in, in media and advertisements. So it's really exciting. Like a lot of these makeup brands are starting to use, you know, women that are, in their later in their later years, you know, because everybody buys makeup, everybody uses makeup, everybody wears clothes. And I just feel like it's a lot more relatable when you have you know, women from women or people from all different ages and and races and backgrounds. It's it's better for the company. You sell more products because people can see themselves in your in your in your brand. So I'm hoping that in the future it's it's okay to be a 65 year old model, but who knows? Maybe not. Right. It's just like, we got to be okay with getting older. Like the, the only alternative is F. Um, so I, I absolutely love what you're saying. And I agree. Like we are seeing, starting to see older women walk the runway in, you know, makeup campaigns and stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a, an issue with a lot of like the luxury brands, like, a, like the higher end, like European brands. They want, they always want, when they say new faces, they want girls who are, you know, really, really young and like just started modeling, you know, to, to be in their runways or their shows and stuff like that. And like, you can have an amazing walk and look amazing. And if your age is, you know, older than 21, then you're not booking the job. So I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know. I really just don't know. Someone who takes care of themselves, I would love to hear just what you think about just like 
plastic surgery and Botox. And oh, yeah, I was just going to ask that <laughs> same question because people are using that. Yeah. Because it's also been the opposite. Like we've seen like more inclusive beauty standards and with some brands and some in fashion now, but we also see a huge influx of people getting fillers and Botox at like pretty young ages. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see what your take is on yeah. all that. And my sister oh, just texted. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say my, my sister is 20 and just texted me yesterday. I was like, I'm gonna get this work done. I'm like, you're 20. Like, um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's tough when you're like young. You know, I think that you should definitely wait until you're about. I don't know, like um, 24 or at an age where you can make um, logical and rational decisions for yourself. If there's an issue with something, a part of your body that you're really uncomfortable with and you've been uncomfortable with it for, you know, years and it still hasn't gone away, um, I think that you should do what makes you happy. And if that means plastic surgery or Botox, then so be it. But at the same time, I think that you should really dig deep down <laughs> and figure out where that where that is coming from. Is it coming from something that you genuinely are unhappy with, or is it becoming is it coming from something that you see on social media and that you want to look like? You know, I I always said that um, like you should really just try and enhance your own beauty, you know, and if you're trying to look like somebody else, then you're not doing those things for the right reason. Right. Like for me, I know I've considered facial feminization and other, you know, plastic surgeries as a trans person, but that's literally because I do not feel comfortable. I did not feel comfortable in the body that I was born with, you know, from a very, very early age. So it's a little bit different. So I just think that you really need to, if you're going to do something as drastic as plastic surgery or Botox, which fades after a while, by the way, um, that you should really do it for a genuine reason, um, you know, from a place where you're uncomfortable in your own skin and not trying to do something else. Yeah, I think that's such sound advice. And the thing that you said about if you are going to do this stuff, like it should be to enhance your own beauty. I think it's just so yeah. true. I mean, like you shouldn't be going into this being like, I want to change my face completely and look like a different person. Um, and actually, this is like something you're very interested in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think personally, like I've debated, like there was definitely points in my life, like two years ago where I was like, oh, I really like, I love the shape of my lips, but like, wouldn't it be so much nicer if they were a little bit plumper? And then I don't know, there's always with everything that's too good to be true, there's always something that is a risk that you take with it. And then we see all migration migration (laughs) stories of people that are constantly having to refill their stuff. And it seems like if there's any upkeep, like it comes with a price, whether it be your hair, whether it be, I don't know, if you overdo anything, it just can't be good and I can see how it can become so addictive too like uh my mom got got her Botox uh recently and I also think like when you're influenced by people like your parents where they're like oh this is okay it also can become like a thing where it's like oh well I see that I'm going to like start wrinkling here should I consider that at some point down the line and but at the end of the day I agree with you that it's more so about like are you doing this for yourself or are you doing this for external validation and because a lot of the times you'll come off of the surgery table and you're still unhappy or maybe the situation may be worse um so i really think that if you are considering plastic surgery it should be something that's well researched something that you're 100 percent sure about and make sure that it's coming from a genuine and wholesome place within yourself to better yourself and not to create this false image of something that you're not. And I will say with fillers that um, it can be very dangerous if you are if you don't do the research and don't make sure that you're going to somebody who is licensed or you know like a professional in that field. And it does fade over time. And sometimes in some cases it looks worse 
after the save. And then you're back at square one and you have to do it again. And then it's just like an endless cycle. So I will say like, if you're on the topic of wrinkles, I would recommend massaging the face for extensive amounts of time. Um, I use argan oil and jojoba oil um, after I moisturize, kind of like seal moisture in. And those kind of things um, prevent wrinkles. Um, and those are natural things you can do to your, to your skin. Yeah, I'm kind of, I just bought like a gua sha, I think it's what it's called, for like face. That's excellent for your face. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know you're supposed to use that with oil, so I'd rather yeah, do something like that that's a little bit more natural and see if I can get results before I stumble into the crazy uh, plastic surgery realm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and it's going to help the blood circulation in your face and the muscles, so um, it's doing more for you than plastic surgery kind of can or like fillers um, in the long run. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I wonder if you have any tips for people looking to enter the modeling industry, especially someone who's maybe a little bit older. Um, I would get like stumbled on this question because I never, I don't think I've seeked it out. Like I never seeked it out. So I never, um, maybe I considered it when I was like younger, when I was, you know, but I considered a lot of jobs in different fields. So I would just say that make sure that if you are seeking, if you are seeking a career in the modeling industry, make sure that you're very respectful and professional about the way that you go to seek out um, like a modeling career, like make sure that you're not being overbearing or sending multiple emails to an agency um, because at the end of the day, if they if they want to sign you, they're going to sign you regardless of, you know, how many times you email them. So I would just say be yourself and take care of your take care of your body, take care of your skin, drink a lot of water and um, practice some sort of like meditation so you can learn how to ground yourself because it can get very crazy at times and you know there's a lot of different people pulling you in different directions and you have to make sure that you're really well centered yeah I think uh from what I've taken from this conversation has I mean you think of your any other job it's like you go to work and then you have your other life outside of work um sometimes especially in American uh ideals of ideation of work those Mm -hmm. two kind of mix but I think for you being a model like your job is you're constantly doing things for your job like you're constantly eating well for your job you're constantly taking care of your body your mind your sleep schedule for how you're going to perform and I think that takes so much discipline and I have a lot of respect for it but also in the long run it's benefiting you like and your Mm -hmm. long term yeah Yeah, if you do it the right way. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories of models who have done it the wrong way or developed eating disorders or, um, you know, like mental disorders and stuff like that. And it can be really taxing. You have to make sure that you're, you have a strong mind. And I wouldn't recommend this field for somebody who is a little bit more sensitive or, um, is more of an introspective because it's a very social career you have to be out there you have to talk to different people you have to be really confident in yourself even when you don't feel that confident and um it may like look all shiny and nice but it takes a while to get all shiny and nice in real life because there's you know when you start off as a model you don't make money for an x amount of time it takes a while to develop those relationships and book those paying jobs you have to start your book and it's like any other any other field you know except it's a little bit more extreme because like when you don't make money you don't make any money like nothing you know so I don't know like it's I I wouldn't suggest it to somebody (laughs) else you know what I mean I wouldn't say oh you should be a model to anyone (laughs) I wouldn't I wouldn't do that but like 
if it's something that you truly want, then just make sure that your head's in the right place. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Like you really got to want it. It's not like just being like a English teacher where there's not like a lot at stake, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder what, go go ahead. (laughs) I was, I was going to switch the subject, but if you go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was also switching the subject. Uh, this is some, something that I saw on your Instagram page and you'll, you, sh- you should uh, also drop your handle, but somebody asked you, um, and I love this answer, well, what, what would be your perfect first date? <laughs> oh my God, my perfect first date. Um, <laughs> I forgot what I responded to that. Um, I know, but I'm a very like adventurous person. So I like, you know, I love like going on motorcycle rides. I like exploring new places. I like doing things that are active. I was always very active. Like I was an active kid and just something that's going to excite me. Um, and of course, like, I feel like an, at, on any date, like you should at least go to dinner first and, you know, see if you even like that person. <laughs> Feel them out first because. I've had situations where I've gone on dates and we didn't do that. We went straight to like a movie or something else like that. And you're just like, oh, I don't really know you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that getting to know the person first is like really important for me. And then if we get to know each other and we're vibing and I like you, then I think that the best thing to do to like keep my attention is to do something fun and exciting. Any tips for getting out of a bad date like one time Julia told me that she just like when she's like I have to go to the bathroom and then just like walked out have you ever done anything like that so here's the thing I'm kind of like a really cutthroat person not, not cutthroat I don't want to say cutthroat that's a bad that's a bad way to put that I'm a really um I, I guess I'm confrontational in the sense that if I'm not oh sorry are you guys still there Mm-hmm. Yeah, my battery sign. Um, so in the sense that if I'm not into something, I'm not going to pretend like I'm into it. I usually, I have had those situations before, and I've just been like, look, I don't think that we really match up with each other, and um, I think that we should just like after this go our separate ways. I'll pay ha- my half of the bill, you pay your half, and not that it. <laughs> but I think that it's kind of like more hurtful if you just like leave a date um, without letting the person know what's going on um, yeah I've definitely it, felt that regret from that yeah because it, it it's not it per- real- yeah it's not it's not you're not thinking about the other person you're kind of I did it in like a very anxious way which was not empathetic I guess to the other person and it's something that, that happens it's okay <laughs> but yeah I, I'm always like very uh I guess I think about the way the other person's feeling um, maybe a little bit too much sometimes, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I just kind of like tell them right right there. I love that. Yeah, I think we need more of that, especially in this age of like digital dating, where it's really easy just to pretend like someone doesn't exist. Just being like honest, being like, you know what? I don't think we align. <laughs> like you said, yeah. It's like the evolved. No, it's a, yeah, it's a different if the person is relentless and then after you tell them that they're not interested, they keep on, you know, bothering you and like keep on messaging you and stuff like that. In that case, block them, yeah. <laughs> like literally yeah. block them, report them, whatever it is that you have to do to cut them off, cut them off. But I think that if somebody is just, is, is fine and it's just um, not what you're looking for or doesn't match up with, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, uh, you should just be honest about the situation. Yeah, it's hard sometimes to just like communicate honestly with somebody. And I think a lot of people feel like it's easier in the digital world of dating to just cut people off. And I think I agree. I've also had to block people because there was just no awareness to like when yeah. I was very blatant like this. Yeah. Is not- going to happen (laughs) self-awareness is like yeah so many people lack um yeah it's bad 
I wonder what just like what some of your favorite fashion accounts are online. Are you someone that's into like Diet Prada? What do you what are you into? I do follow Diet Prada, but um sometimes I feel like a lot of those accounts that I feel like they tear a lot of people down that maybe are like not going through the best time, you know, already. And I just don't like to add uh, fuel to that fire. So, uh, I mean, sometimes they make very like valid posts about, you know, where things come from, where things are direct, you know, like this came from this and that, you know, sometimes they protect certain brands and I love that. But also I think that in a lot of cases, if someone's going through a tough time or a tough situation, like a designer or something, and you know, they're making the situation worse on Instagram by, you know, dragging them down more. And I don't believe in that either. So I, I wouldn't say that I follow it um, like too closely. I do follow them, but I, I don't know. I try to keep myself like very neutral in situations. Right. I do think in this sort of age where there's a lot of like mob mentality in the sense of like, sometimes people do bad things. Um, and then with some yeah. accounts like that, we all just like go after that person. And that's not always the most helpful thing to do. Um, you know, if, if we want to bring about change, I don't know if change means destroying someone completely. Um, it's yeah, very- no, I think that a bigger conversation, I mean, a bigger, I mean, a more productive way to go about, you know, discussing an issue with a person or a brand or whatever is maybe like have like a FaceTime with them and talk to them about these issues versus, you know, just listening to like just reading blogs and then developing an opinion on the situation and starting a bigger fire. Like I just, I don't know. I think that Social media is great, but in a lot of ways, it can be um, really, really toxic. Yeah, I totally agree. There's been so many times where I'm like, I instead of just you know canceling that person, I would have loved to seem like an open conversation or like you know like a, a panel between someone who's not not knowledgeable in an issue and the person who's you know had done something wrong. I think that would be just far more productive. Yeah, I mean, you like never know what the other side of the situation is until you like ask about it or inquire more about it. Like the person can have a mental disorder or experience some sort of trauma in their life and not know how to handle that. And they act out in a way that they don't know is wrong. You know, there's just a lot of things. uh, There's so many things that could happen or the person who is claiming to be the victim could have, you know, I don't know. There's always two sides to every story. Yeah, that's, it seems like you have a good head on your shoulders too. Like you protect your own energy. And I, it's, especially in the dramatic, dramatic world of gossip in the fashion industry and everything, it's, it's really nice to see that you have the emotional maturity to kind of say, I'm not going to participate in this and I'm going to hold myself to like a higher standard of that. I mean, I, I don't want to say that I'm holding myself to a higher standard because I've made mistakes before in my life and I have my own history with certain things. And um, it's, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of, remembering that everyone's a person, everybody has issues and I don't know, like just being a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, empathetic, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, do you have any other questions before we close this out, Giselle? No, I just think that was such a beautiful way to end it. Just, I think we all need to be more empathetic and just realize that not everything's a personal attack. Some people are just going through something and just being more kind of self-aware. Um, and I think you just throughout this have just touched on that. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. So Ooh. where can we find <laughs> you and follow you? You can follow me at, um, at Izzy Israel. That's I-Z-Z-Y-I-Z-R-I-A-L-E. 
I have one Instagram account. That's my Instagram account. There's a lot of people who use my pictures and do like weird things with them. I have one uh, Instagram account. It's that one. Um, and you can also follow me on TikTok at, TikTok at the same handle. And yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Everyone go follow Izzy. Um, your pictures are incredible. I was looking before we got on this call. So yeah. Really Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Do some fun. All right, see ya. Bye, guys. Bye.